today on Across the Aisle, we're going to talk to Dr. Travis Anderson, the Emergency Department Medical Director at Northern Nevada Medical Center in Sparks. We're going to discuss the current state of affairs as an emergency department deals with the coronavirus. Welcome to Across the Aisle. I am here today with Dr. Travis Anderson. He is the uh, Medical Director of the Emergency Department at Northern Nevada Medical Center in Sparks. Dr. Anderson, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you're seeing on the ground in an emergency room here in Northern Nevada. It is currently uh, the morning of Tuesday and uh, you know we've been following this for a couple of weeks now. So what are you seeing on the ground? So right now, fortunately in our community, uh, we haven't been pushed to the severe phase of, of this illness. So our volumes actually have been down we kind of consider this the milk community as, as the tsunami where we see a retraction of the water and you know low volumes and then shortly thereafter we see a dramatic increase in, in volumes which is what we're expecting and planning for and some of the patients we've been seeing have ranged from very minor illness to people that are very ill so right now volumes are down but our anticipation is that we will see tremendous increase over the coming days to weeks so are you able to adequately prepare for that in terms of gathering supplies and, uh, and testing materials and, and those types of things? Is, 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 that, is testing something you do at the hospital and then send out to the, to the health district or do you have to send everyone to the health district to get tested? Yeah, great question. I do believe that we are doing everything we can and doing a really good job of actually preparing for the worst case scenario. I think we all feel that Washoe County in general is somewhat of its own silo within uh, the nation and that we're preparing that if uh, things get much worse that we cannot rely on federal resources or even local state resources. So that is our plan. I think we're doing a good job there. Regarding testing, um, the whole entire nation and the world has had a severe decrease in the limits of, of the testing. Um, the ability to test has been dramatically reduced. So we are testing the patients that we feel are most adequate um, and are at highest risk. Um, we are basically rationing our, our testing supplies the best we can. Um, we would love to test everybody in the community if we could to see how widespread it is and protect people. However, with the lack uh, statewide and nationwide of testing materials, we can't do that for everybody. Do you think our actual confirmed numbers are artificially low due to the lack of testing supplies? Yes. Right now, there are some estimates from good research that you can anticipate that upwards of every positive test could really mean five to 10 actual positives. So you can multiply these numbers five to 10 times to see what our actual infection rate is. And we also anticipate due to incubation period of the virus and the way that it spreads, that we could be even two to three weeks behind that, which would also dramatically increase the number. So we are anticipating and feel like the community is probably have a much more wide and spread infection that we actually can confirm. And as patients are coming in and testing supplies are low, most of the numbers you see are actually only the very sick patients. Uh, these aren't your minimally symptomatic patients that are actually spreading the virus. And so those numbers are very much so, as you said, artificially low. So if patients are minimally symptomatic, um, are, do they generally um, still take their illness seriously and are willing to self-quarantine? Or does that positive test really make all the difference in, in how seriously a patient takes their diagnosis? So I think there's a couple of factors to that. 
I, I do believe most people are taking this seriously. Uh, I think people are very scared and I want to reassure our patients and our community that over 99% and probably even a much higher rate do very well and just like the common cold will be fine. However, the patients that are at higher risk and get sick um, can decline very dramatically and regardless of, of the disease process and how severe it can be for the average person, our system operates at a near capacity level anyway and adding this level of patients in can, can overwhelm everything. So, you know, most people will do well and however, we should take it very seriously, more so that if you are doing fine at home, you don't want to spread it to your grandparent or your brother or sister or your mother or father who could be at high risk or inadvertently spread it to people who will spread it to their family members that are at high risk. And there's a lot of avoidable deaths that are happening um, due to lack of precautions and people not taking it seriously with the spread and just due to the fact that it's going so infectious, it's spreading so fast that we're behind the ball on, on as far as containing this infection. So if we are in this sort of lull before the storm, uh, what types of steps um, can you as a hospital take, um, can we as a community take to prepare for a significant influx of patients? From the hospital standpoint, our hospital specific, specifically and, and all the hospitals in the area are taking steps to enhance their capabilities in their ICU and critical care units trying to get ventilators for patients that become severely ill and need to be mechanically ventilating, meaning they can't breathe on their own, um, enhancing nursing, staffing, and testing supplies and personal protective equipment. We have multiple surge plans at this hospital to prepare to take an influx of patients, including having our own quarantine units for potential patients that may have the virus and confirmed patients. We have uh, multiple surge plans and backups for all of those plans, basically anticipating every problem that could happen um, and knowing that our plans may not be able to be implemented and having backup plans for those. So the administration, the nursing staff, and the physicians all meet daily via conference or sometimes in the hospital to go through all the potential problems. And I feel at Northern Nevada Medical Center in particular, will be very well prepared to handle the worst case scenario. Um, we also implemented an alternate care site, which many hospitals are doing, that can not only screen low risk patients early on, but even be turned into an inpatient or critical care unit and be able to isolate those patients and protect our other hospitalized patients and staff uh, so they don't get, get the virus as well. So from a coordination standpoint, are the sort of three hospital networks that exist in, in, in Washoe County right now working collaboratively to develop strategies to deal with the surge? Yes. So the Washoe County Health District has a, a frequent call uh, that all the hospital, the infectious disease and quality control directors are on, hospital executives and physicians from those hospitals are on. Um, Outside of that, uh, we're trying to coordinate the emergency department directors uh, for all the way from Carson Valley, Gardnerville, and South Lake Tahoe through um, you know, the renowned system, the St. Mary's system. We're in close contact personally. Uh, we all know each other very well. Um, and we're actually planning on some more efforts to conference in this week uh, to better service our community, make sure that we're all doing the same things for our patients, that we're sharing potential resources and, 
and staff, if we can, come to the point that we all need to collaborate. Um, I think adequate plans are being implemented. Unfortunately, every health system is at an extremely high demand for personal protective equipment and uh, you know is at risk for being overburdened from this. But we are taking the lessons from China and Italy, as well as Washington State, New York, and California with their influxes. And fortunately, since it's been a delay spread to this community, we've been able to take all of the shortfalls and, and also successes that they've had and be able to plan for those here. When people come to an emergency department now with a uh, with a true emergency that may not be uh, COVID-19 related, what should they expect when they come to the doors? So currently at Northern Nevada, as well as likely the other hospitals, and, and from what I hear they're implementing, you'll be screened at any entrance to the hospital, whether you're a visitor, visitor or patient. That'll include a screening for vital signs, fever, uh, low oxygen in your bloodstream, which we can do very quickly, as well as risky travel, places in the U.S. and abroad, um, and your symptoms. If we deemed currently based on CDC and national recommendations that you would screen positive for potential infection, then we defer you to what is our current alternate care site, which is a, a tent outside of the emergency department. If you are deemed very ill, you will be treated either in one of the alternative care sites that um, is separate from that tent or within a, a isolated room within our emergency department. Um, every patient is placed with a mask regardless of risk um, and, and whether they screen positive. And if you are deemed at risk for having the virus, then we use as much protective equipment that is warranted for that particular infection rate um, and treat you appropriately. So we're keeping as many of our patients as we can that may possibly have the virus away from the other general population, including staff and other patients that may become ill or have worsening effects on the virus. So we're keeping those separate by using these alternative care sites um, as much as we possibly can. It seems like what we're seeing from particularly other countries is that, and in Italy specifically, that overwhelming the healthcare system is one of the things that's really driving up the mortality rate of the virus. And um, so the uh, orders that have been in place both nationally and from governors, including Governor Sisolak, are designed to sort of bend the curve, right? That's the, that's the term that everybody's doing. Can you talk about a little, a little bit about that from a medical perspective? Yes, I, I think what needs to really be emphasized is that this is an additive healthcare burden. So we are poorly prepared basically globally to handle giant influxes like this. And this particular virus is extremely contagious and infectious uh, compared to other virus spread that we see, including influenza. So the ability to overburden a system quickly is very evident. Um, it's infecting and causing great harm and death to older individuals, uh, especially those with other medical problems at a high rate. We're seeing much higher hospitalizations from this virus compared to other medical conditions and, and infectious diseases. So that is one part of that overburden these systems, particularly in Italy, they have a much older population in comparison with other nations. So they were hit very hard and they were hit very quickly. Uh, here in the U.S., we're seeing similar things happen in New York and in Washington, and that's what we're preparing for. So the unfortunate 
steps that the government, both local and federally, have had to take in keeping people home and not at work is the only way we can, you know, flatten the curve. That is the common term being used. And the flattening the curve will not only decrease the transmission to patients that are very high risk of dying, but it will hopefully decrease the burden on hospitals so they can adequately treat the sick both with the virus or for other medical conditions, as well as give us some time basically for healthcare uh, to respond with resources, with added staff, with added protective equipment and testing materials. And if we don't decrease this curve, then businesses will continue to be closed. There'll be stricter enforcement as we're seeing in other nations to be able to curb this virus. So if people really wanna get things back to normal and get back to their jobs, then they, they need to comply with these recommendations, however unfortunate restrictive they are, so we can have some time to respond. This virus will continue to spread. We do expect that we cannot contain this, but our communities, particularly poised, especially in Washoe County, geographically because of the mountains and our spread out desert, we, we could have a great chance at coming out as one of those communities that didn't suffer as much as, as the rest of the nation because we were able to act quickly and early, contain and decrease the spread so we could respond appropriately and decrease the amount of unavoidable death or of avoidable deaths and adequately take care of our community uh, before we end up like places like Italy and, and some other parts of the U.S. that are really suffering. Are you hearing any information that's being spread out in the community that is just inaccurate that you want to correct? Yes. Unfortunately, again, even some medical professionals who unfortunately may be not working right now um, because of the decrease in outpatient services or surgery services um, and other people in the public who are either young and healthy or haven't had the infection or it hasn't hit home for them are, are saying that you know, this is just like, like the flu or we're being very restrictive and we're overreacting and that this isn't going to be a big deal. And I would say that I respect all opinions on this, um, but if you believe that this is like the flu, it, that is dramatically incorrect. It is more contagious. It is a higher mortality rate, even if we find out that the mortality rate is gonna be much less when our testing is able to test more people. Um, so more people are dying. Um, and again, it is additive. So regardless of whether it's like the flu, we couldn't handle twice as many flu cases either. Uh, so adding this infectious disease is overburdening our system. And I totally agree that people are out of work. People are going to become bankrupt. They're going to be more homeless. Um, there's going to be a dramatic economic and social burden to this for many months, maybe years to come. And all of us want to get back to normal. And the only way to do that is to react the way that we're reacting and maybe even more aggressively to stop this spread and allow us some time to catch up. So the comparison to the flu in many aspects is not true. It is more infectious. It has a higher mortality rate. Uh, it has a higher hospitalization rate than the flu. And also with the flu, we've had it around for thousands of years. We've developed a vaccine. The human body has developed its innate immunity in, in aspects that decrease your chance of getting very sick from the flu. So that's one misconception in the public. Um, and the fact, the fact that even though most people do well, this, this is going to overburden our system. So um, there is a lot of misconception out there, and I know people are unhappy with the current situation. Um, but I think if, if we all have the same goal and we all know 
what needs to happen to get to that goal, which is getting back to normal by decreasing and flattening this curve. Appreciate that. Has, has the science showed that once someone has contracted the virus, that they, de- that they develop an individual immunity to it, so they couldn't contract it a second time, or if they did, their body could fight it off? That's very difficult to say. We don't have any compelling evidence that that's the case, that you develop an innate immunity. Um, when you compare it to other similar viruses, there is a good chance that it is what's happening. We don't know if there are co-infection rates. Um, the severity and range of symptoms as well as how people are getting infected is, is differing vastly, both in different countries, but just our analysis. So it's hard to say what happens after you do get infected. There's a good chance that you will develop some level of immunity. This virus has not mutated dramatically from what we can tell um, the way that the influenza virus has that the influenza virus mutates every year which is why it's difficult to get a good vaccine Um, but our our anticipation is that we hope and I think it's reasonable to expect that you will develop full or at least some immunity to similar variants of this virus if you do get infected but that's the problem with all of this is we do not know the impact. We don't know what the human body is going to do for weeks and months after it's been infected. We don't know much about this virus because it's happened so quickly. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that you want to make sure you weigh in on before we uh, hang up today? Uh, Only that I, I hope that people can be reassured that our healthcare systems are taking every step possible to treat patients that need to be treated. Um, we are, very much emphasizing and really encouraging people that if they would not normally seek emergency room care, they don't feel that they need emergency room level of care um, and need to be admitted to the hospital, that they stay home if they feel like this is similar to other colds, the way they are feeling, even though they may be scared that they should stay home. We cannot test patients routinely in any healthcare setting. The health department is attempting to test patients that can go home But if someone is not deemed to come into the hospital, being admitted to the hospital, including the critical care unit, then we cannot test them. We only have enough tests to test patients that are being admitted to the hospital to protect the other patients in the hospital and our healthcare workers. So please do not come to the hospitals if you feel you may have been exposed or having cold symptoms, if you feel you don't need emergent level of care. All right. There it is, Dr. Travis Anderson, the Emergency Department Medical Director at Northern Nevada Medical Center in Sparks. Thank you for joining us today on Across the Aisle. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Across the Aisle with your host, Senator Ben Kiekefer. Stay up to date and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or sign up for the newsletter at benfornevada.com.